This is Soul Searching, Gay Essay Radio, show of the year, 2016. This is the program where we explore all spiritual, psychological and wellness matters that matter. Searching deep into the soul requires that you conduct a penetrating self-examination of your motives, convictions and attitudes. You should frequently challenge your personal beliefs and thoughts to open your mind to fresh ideas and free thinking. I'll ask the awkward questions on your behalf. I'll poke holes in rigid belief systems and challenge the way the world taught you to think, so that you can use some of these ideas to redesign your life for the better. How you finally do that is up to you, isn't it? I don't expect you to give up your sacred beliefs, and I don't mind if you even disagree with me. Healthy debate is always enriching, so please air your views on the digital media platforms that I'll share with you at the end of the show. I'm Tom Budge. The theme of our show today is The Eight Hypnosis Rules of the Mind, A Key to Self-Understanding. All hypnosis students get to learn The Eight Rules of the Mind. This collection of postulations forms the foundation upon which hypnosis is built. But whether you are hoping to learn the art of hypnotic induction or not, these rules are key to understanding a bit about the way you think and act. In the hands of a skilled practitioner, these rules make their subjects more malleable, allowing the hypnotist to persuade and influence people to do some crazy stuff. Yet these same rules, in your hands, allow you to get so much more out of life by understanding how your subconscious mind works and how it interacts with your conscious mind. A quick Google search for the eight rules of the mind results in hundreds of website references, nearly all of which are connected with hypnosis in one form or another. In fact, these rules form the backbone of this fascinating skill. But before we get into the eight rules, it's best that we get to grips with what hypnosis is. Finding a precise definition is about as slippery as a banana peel on the floor. Nobody really has a good idea of how it works and why induction into this state of mind is available to all of us. Yep, you're right to query whether you can be hypnotized or not. The surprising answer is that almost every human being slips in and out of hypnosis at regular intervals. Examples of this are driving your car down the highway, I'm sure this has happened to you, while your mind is far away on other matters, a state of mind known as daydreaming, when suddenly it snaps back to reality and you wonder how the hell you got this far along your trip because you just can't remember having driven along that part of the road. During that time, your mind split. Part of it drove your car responsibly through the traffic, while another part locked onto the faraway fantasy world that grabbed your attention at the time. Other examples of the hypnotic state are the periods of transition between wakefulness and sleep, known as the hypnagogic state, and between sleep and wakefulness. This is called the hypnopompic state. I love these moments and look forward to them every single day of my life. You are partly awake during the hypnagogic and hypnopompic states, and you'll find that your mind easily slips into that familiar daydreaming state as you drift in and out of consciousness on your way to sleep. While you can easily recall approaching sleep, most of us will never be aware of the moment we fell asleep. Hypnagogia, the onset of sleep, 
is often characterized by some weird but common mental phenomena that occur during this threshold consciousness phase, commonly called half-sleep or half-awake or mind-awake body asleep. While in this zone, phenomena including lucid thought, lucid dreaming, hallucinations and sleep paralysis may occur. This curious phenomenon was known in Aristotle's days and was romanticized by writers like Edgar Allan Poe and Charles Dickens. Dickens gave an elaborate description of the hypnagogic state in his novel Oliver Twist. Transition to and from sleep may be attended by a wide variety of sensory experiences. Wikipedia describes some of these quite well. There are the psychedelic images or patterns. Among the more commonly reported and more thoroughly researched sensory features of hypnagogia are phosphenes, which can manifest as seemingly random speckles, lines or geometric patterns, including form constants, or as figurative representational images. They may be monochromatic or richly coloured, still or moving, flat or three-dimensional, offering an impression of perspective. Imagery representing movement through tunnels is also reported. Individual images are typically fleeting and given to very rapid changes. Then there are imagined moving or floating objects, especially after having performed a repetitive experience. People who have spent a long time at some repetitive activity before sleep, in particular one that is new to them, may find that it dominates their imagery as they grow drowsy, a tendency dubbed the Tetris effect. When the activity involves moving objects, as in the video game Tetris, people tend to perceive the corresponding hypnagogic images as moving. The Tetris effect is not confined to visual imagery, but can manifest in other ways. For example, Robert Stickgold recounts having experienced the touch of rocks while falling asleep after mountain climbing. This can also occur to people who have travelled on a small boat in rough seas or have been swimming through waves shortly before going to bed, and they feel the waves as they drift to sleep, or people who have spent the days skiing who continue to feel snow under their feet. Also, people who have spent considerable time jumping on a trampoline will find that they can feel the up-and-down motion before they go to sleep. Some people in the hypnagogic state experience auditory hallucinations, including sounds and voices. Like the visuals, hypnagogic sounds vary in intensity from faint impressions to loud noises, like knocking, crashing and banging. People may imagine their own name being called. They may hear crumpling bags, white noise, or a doorbell ringing. Snatches of imagined speech are common. While typically nonsensical and fragmented, these speech events can occasionally strike the individual as apt comments on or summations of their thoughts at the time. They often contain wordplay, neoglisms, and made-up names. Hypnagogic speech may manifest as subjects' own inner voice or as the voices of others, familiar people or strangers. More rarely, poetry or music is heard. Then there are the sensations of sleep paralysis with their attending feelings of being crushed or moved. Humming, roaring, hissing, rushing, zapping and buzzing noises are frequent in conjunction with sleep paralysis. Sleep paralysis happens when the relaxing shift in the tone of one's muscles sets in sooner than usual before the person is fully asleep. 
Sleep paralysis is reported very frequently among those who experience excessive daytime sleepiness and intermittent, uncontrollable episodes of falling asleep during the day, a condition known as narcolepsy. The paralysis itself is often accompanied by additional phenomena. A typical example includes feelings of being crushed or suffocated, electric tingles or vibrations, imagined speech and other noises, the imagined presence of a visible or invisible entity, and sometimes intense emotion, fear or euphoria, and orgasmic feelings. Sleep paralysis has been proposed as an explanation for at least some of the alien abduction and haunting experiences. But the most amazing of these phenomena are insights into a problem and enhanced creativity. The best-known example being August Kekul's realization that the structure of benzene was a closed ring while half asleep in front of a fire, and seeing molecules forming into snakes, one of which grabbed its tail in its mouth. Many other artists, writers, scientists and inventors, including Beethoven, Richard Wagner, Walter Scott, Salvador Dali, Thomas Edison, Nikolai Tesla and Sir Isaac Newton, have credited hypnagogia and related states with enhancing their creativity. With all these possibilities available to you as you fall asleep, it's no wonder why so many people seek ways to prolong the hypnagogic state to milk it for what it has to offer. I know that I do. And it's far safer than taking shrooms or LSD. <laughs> the easiest way to prolong hypnagogia is to fall asleep on your back with one arm resting on your elbow and your hand pointing up towards the ceiling. You can rest your elbow on your stomach, the way I prefer to do it, or on the mattress next to your body. REM atonia is an almost complete paralysis of your body when it shifts into REM sleep. Motor neurons throughout the body undergo a process called hyperpolarization, which raises the threshold that a stimulus must overcome in order to excite the muscle. In simple terms, you cannot keep your arm pointing towards the ceiling while you're falling asleep because, as your muscles relax, your arm will fall. That sudden movement lifts you out of your sleep and, with a bit of practice, will keep you in your hypnagogic state. I recommend that you play with this, and I'm keen to know what experiences you get. Engage with me through social media if you want to know more. Anyway, enough digression. Let's get back to hypnosis and the eight foundational stones upon which it is built. One definition of hypnosis is, it is a state of human consciousness involving focused attention and reduced peripheral awareness with an enhanced capacity to respond to suggestion. The term may also refer to an art, skill or act of inducing hypnosis. Even though this definition comes from Wikipedia, which isn't always that well informed, this is a pretty reasonable explanation. The experience of being hypnotized is very similar to those experienced during hypnagogia, which itself is akin to daydreaming. All share many of the sensory and awareness characteristics of the other. But instead of playing a hit-and-miss game while trying to fall asleep, you can willingly induce hypnosis at any time. And you can either do this by yourself or under the guidance of a professional hypnotist. 
Hypnosis is one of my most powerful mental states that is the gateway to much of my spiritual awareness, immense clarity of thought and some intriguing healing controls over my very own body. The eight rules of the mind are the cornerstones of the art of hypnotic induction. Every hypnosis student learns them. Search as I may, I cannot find a reliable reference as to their origin. Perhaps they've been assembled from various sources, grouped together as a collection of precepts, and handed down from one hypnotist to the next. Who knows? So here they are. And don't worry if you don't easily grasp these concepts immediately, because I shall return to explain each one in turn. Rule number one. Every thought or idea causes a physical reaction. Rule number two. What is expected tends to be realized. Number three, imagination is more powerful than knowledge. Four, opposing ideas cannot be held at one and the same time without creating stress. Five, an emotionally induced symptom tends to cause organic change if it persists long enough. Six, once an idea has been accepted by the subconscious mind, it remains until it is replaced by another idea. 7. Each suggestion acted upon creates less opposition towards successive suggestions. 8. When dealing with the subconscious mind and its functions, the greater the conscious effort, the less the subconscious response. Hmm... These are some intriguing propositions indeed. Firstly, we need to understand the distinctions between the various parts of your mind, as these are very different from the parts of your brain. So, what is the difference then between mind and brain? The best analogy is your smartphone. Your brain is like your physical tangible phone, and your mind is like the apps that run on it. You have three levels of awareness. Consciousness, subconscious beliefs and memories, and your deeply unconscious thoughts and processes that control your bodily functions. Sigmund Freud proposed this layered analogy of the mind, saying that it reminded him of an iceberg with only a fraction of its bulk peaking above the water. He likened the protruding part to conscious awareness. It's the part of your mind's thinking process that you can experience. Immediately below the waterline are your subconscious beliefs and memories. We are not always fully aware that we know this stuff, but we can access it at will if we need to. Take the date of your birth as an example. You don't go about consciously aware of this date all the time, but you can access it and bring it to mind whenever the need arises. Subconscious beliefs influence the way you behave. You will mainly act in line with the things you believe to be right and proper. The deeper you go below the waterline, the darker, fuzzier and murkier things get. It's possible, but you'll need to do some deep hypnosis to have conscious control over your blood pressure, heart rate and the secretion of information and processing chemicals in your body. Let's properly unpack these rules of the mind to reveal the profundity they have on your mental and physical health and how they help you realize how you think subconsciously. Furthermore, I shall give you a little advice as to how you may apply or benefit from this understanding. 
by actioning these bits of advice, you'll soon notice positive changes in your life. I know I have. Back to rule number one. Every thought or idea causes a physical reaction. I say this slightly differently. Thoughts cannot exist without causing physical bodily reactions. What's the thinking behind this? It's not hard to imagine how this works. Notice a person's body language, reflexes and demeanor before and during a general anesthetic and you will quickly notice a huge difference. When a person's mind is offline during an anesthetic, the body, while still very much alive, is completely unresponsive. You will not be able to tell anything about the person's mental state by watching him or her during anesthetic, but you could glean a lot of information by watching his or her body language when the person is fully conscious. The idiomotor phenomenon is a term derived from the conjunction of two words, idio, meaning idea or mental representation, and motor, referring to muscular actions. This is a process whereby a thought or mental image brings about a reflexive or automatic muscular reaction, often barely perceptible and potentially outside the subject's awareness. As in reflexive responses to pain, the body sometimes reacts reflexively with an idiomotor response to ideas without the person consciously deciding to act. Because the reflex is so instantaneous, there is little chance for the conscious mind to hijack it and censor or distort it. The effects of automatic writing, dowsing, facilitated communication and Ouija boards have all been attributed to this phenomenon. My advice to you? Diligently monitor your thoughts, pruning those that cause negative stress which might lead you to illness. Cancer, cardiovascular, gastrointestinal and mental diseases often follow as a consequence of improper thinking. Rule number two. It's known in psychology terms as the law of attraction. It says, what is expected tends to be realized, either for the good or bad. My version is, whatever you expect to happen will tend to happen. And here's the thinking behind it. The once popular movie, The Secret, seems to have dwindled over the years, but its main theme focuses on the supposed secret law of attraction. But the law of attraction is no secret. Statistics show that like attracts like. When you obsess over an idea, you create opportunity for that idea to manifest in your reality by tuning your actions to take steps to make it happen. Remember that this is equally true for your conscious and subconscious patterns of thinking. The longer you hold on to the expectation, the more likely it will be that the idea will manifest in your life. Not only affecting your health, but every other aspect of your life too. My advice regarding this rule is, take heed of the wise one-liner that says, you attract the things you fear the most. Also monitor your self-beliefs. People with victim mentality soon find ways to become victims. But the converse is also true. Those with good, healthy, positive attitudes and outlooks on life tend to become victorious. 3. Imagination is more powerful than knowledge. There's a variant to this. Reason is often overruled by imagination. And another variant is imagination is more powerful than willpower. I say them slightly differently. Here's one version. 
Logic and reason do not solve emotional problems. Another one of mine. The weirder something is, the more likely you will remember it. Whenever willpower opposes cravings, cravings will tend to win. And my final one is, willpower is inversely proportional to cravings. Here's the thinking behind it. Walking along the curbstones on a pavement is easy for most nimble people to do, but make this a walk along the parapet of a tall building and it'll freak you out. Why? Because we are constantly creating hypotheses about things in life. The impact of falling off the curbstone with a 20 centimeter drop is hardly tragic compared to the 20 meter drop from the parapet. What the imagination locks onto, the emotions and the body will follow. That's why I have the variant of this rule. Logic and reason do not solve emotional problems. There's an emotional response to walking on the parapet 20 meters off the ground, probably one of paralyzing fear, and no amount of logical persuasion will be enough to conquer that fear. Not unless you find ways to reach the feeling mind and change its perception at that level of subconsciousness. My advice? Carefully monitor your thoughts and do whatever you can to avoid pessimism, doubt, gloom and mistrust as these negatively charged emotions and imaginings will soon cloud your mind and hold you captive. Number four, which is known in psychology as cognitive dissonance, the rule of the mind reads opposing ideas cannot be held at one and the same time without creating stress. In psychology, cognitive dissonance is the mental stress experienced by a person who simultaneously holds two or more contradictory beliefs, ideas or values when performing an action that contradicts those beliefs, ideas and values, or when confronted with new information that contradicts existing beliefs, ideas and values. What do you suppose will happen in the mind of a businessman who engages in shady illegal dealings and then goes home to encourage his young son to refrain from dishonest practices? Or, what do you suppose will happen in the mind of a man who cheats on his partner and then returns home to declare his undying love? Feelings of remorse arise when a human commits actions that go against his or her moral values. Split minds create mental stress. Conscience informs moral judgment before an action is taken so that you can avoid the remorseful discomfort that arises if you ignore that inner caution. My advice regarding this rule? Find resonance and congruity across all aspects of your life. Walk the talk. Stand for honesty and integrity. Be true to yourself. 5. An emotionally induced symptom tends to cause organic change if it persists long enough. Epigenetics is the study of stable, heritable traits from one cell or organism to another that cannot be explained by changes in DNA sequencing. Simply put, there is growing evidence to support the theory that a habitually positive mind can repair chromosomes and that a habitually negative one can negatively affect these genes. This is the first time science has managed to find proof that your mind affects the functioning of your body, either for good or bad. Epigenetics is a long way off proving that one can cure cancer through positive visualization but there is a lot of other good anecdotal evidence to support that it can. My advice to you with regard to this rule. Closely monitor your outlook on life and find urgent ways to address any negativity that is inevitably going to creep in. 
Part of your survival tactics are to notice threatening things and situations more readily than you would those that are benign and harmless. This creates a bias that leads you into states of worry, anxiety and nervousness. Find ways through exercise, good association with others or personal spiritual practices that make you feel upbeat and enthusiastic about life if you want to live healthily and free from what doctors refer to as functional diseases. These are ailments that stem from psychosomatic causes. And did you know that around 80% of all illnesses fall into this category? Depression is just one of them. 6. Once an idea has been accepted by the subconscious mind, it remains until it is replaced by another idea. The corollary is, the longer an idea remains, the more opposition there is to replace it with a new idea. According to Sir Isaac Newton, objects travel in straight lines forever until they encounter another force that alters their course in some way. Earth would take a straight journey out into the blackness of space if it weren't for the sun's force of gravity that inwardly curves its path. Thoughts and beliefs tend to do the same thing. It might take a while for you to integrate and entrench a thought, which then becomes a habit, but habits can change by applying the force of a different set of thoughts to knock it off course. Here's an example. Suppose that you walk into a dark room and run your hand across the table looking for something that you need, when all of a sudden your hand runs over a snake. What will you do? I suspect that you will run out of the room in a state of full-blown flight and fight. The longer you stay out of the room, the bigger and more venomous that snake becomes in your imagination. But find your bravery and go back into the room, switching on the lights and looking at what lies on the table, and you'll instantly and permanently change your emotional state if you see that the snake is nothing other than a coiled-up length of rope. The advice that we can take from this rule? Take heed of what I said in the introduction to the show. I'll say it again to refresh your memory. Searching deep into the soul requires that you conduct a penetrating self-examination of your motives, convictions and attitudes. You should frequently challenge your personal beliefs and thoughts to open your mind to fresh ideas and free thinking. Now you know why I introduce the show the way I do, to break down redundant beliefs and thoughts and to till new soil for fresh thinking. Our penultimate rule, number seven, is known in psychology as the law of truisms or the law of repeated concentrated exposure. The rule reads like this. Each suggestion acted upon creates less opposition towards successive suggestions. A mental trend is easier to follow the longer it lasts unbroken. Once a habit forms, it becomes easier to follow and more difficult to break. Good salespeople know this stuff and are trained to get you to agree to a framework of yeses before asking you to sign on the dotted line. Here's an example. A second-hand car salesman says, you can see the deep polished shine of this beautiful red car, can't you? And your subconscious response is, yes, I can. You might or might not nod your head in agreement, and the salesman will keenly anticipate and observe your response. He might then go on. Open the door and sit in the leather seat and notice how plush and comfortable it is. Don't you agree? And your response is another yes, one that systematically weakens your ability to say no to his final request to get your signature to close the deal. This hasn't happened to me when buying a car. I'm too shrewd for that to happen. But it has happened when donation collectors have cleverly gotten me to buy into the plight of the impoverished kids before asking me to part with some of my cash. 
my advice to you regarding this rule, avoid marketing and sales pitches. They could be about the purchase of some commodity of sorts, or they could try to convert you to a different way of thinking. After a long sequence of affirmative suggestions, stop for a few minutes, what salespeople call cooling off, and think clearly for a while, giving yourself time to purge the influential yeses before making your final decision. Now you know why I make the following statement in the introduction to this show. I'll ask the awkward questions on your behalf. I'll poke holes in rigid belief systems and challenge the way the world taught you to think so that you can use some of these ideas to redesign your life for the better. Too many people herd us into paddocks of collective thinking and we are often so blind to their cunning manipulation, believing that it is the only way to go. And lastly, rule number eight. It's what psychologists call the law of reversed effect. When dealing with the subconscious mind and its functions, the greater the conscious effort, the less the subconscious response. My variant on this is, the harder you try to do something, the more difficult it is for you to do it. This proves why willpower doesn't really work. If you have insomnia, you'll know that the harder you try to go to sleep, the wider awake you become. This rule means you must work to develop a positive mental expectancy that your problem can and will be solved. As your faith in your subconscious mind increases, you'll learn to let it happen rather than trying to force it to happen. Letting go of conscious effort allows the subconscious mind to act automatically. By changing fixed conscious thoughts at the level at which they were accepted, and while simultaneously addressing the emotional responses that led to this acceptance, is the quickest and most powerful method for healing and for change. My advice to you regarding this last rule. Allow yourself to run on autopilot and trust that it will work for you. If you have a gut instinct about something, trust it, even if there are dark clouds of concern in your conscious mind. It's like two aircraft flying in formation, one tucked in just behind the other. When the conscious mind is in the lead, expecting the subconscious mind to follow behind, the world becomes a minefield of patterns, strategies and tactics. Hard work, micromanagement or sweating the small stuff seems to be the only way to fly. But what if the two aircraft change positions? What if you led intuitively and instinctively, putting your conscious mind at the back? I think you'd be phenomenal. Thank you for listening to Soul Searching here on Gay SA Radio. Your comments and suggestions help shape the show and I'm always happy to receive them. Write to me at studio at gaysaradio.co.za or post on the station's social media platforms using the hashtag gaysaradio. My Twitter handle is at TWEBudge. This program premieres on Sundays at 5pm and repeats the following Sunday at 8.30am. A full set of podcasts in the series is available on the station's website, gaysaradio.co.za. Stay right here on GaySA Radio for all your favorite music, discussions, lifestyle facts, and the latest news. My name is Tom Budge. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>